Thank you for taking time to listen to this sermon from Hope Church Toronto North. It is our prayer that through this message, you are challenged and encouraged by the Word of God and grow in your love for God and love for others. It is God's desire for us to be members of and regularly participate in a local church under the care of qualified elders. If you are not attending a local church right now, we encourage you to take that step. If you do live in the North York area and are looking for a local church, we invite you to visit us at one of our Sunday morning gatherings to discern if this is the church God is leading you to. Good morning, church. For those of you who I've not met um, or haven't met me, my name is Wilson, and I've been attending Hope Toronto North uh, pretty much ever since uh, its launch, and just super excited to be here today to share a little bit of what God has placed on my heart. Uh, Thank you, worship team, for leading us in that special time and preparing our hearts, because um, when we don't see it, even when we don't feel it, I'm so glad that our God is still working. And today, we're in uh, Exodus 3, a passage that many of you are probably familiar with. Uh, It's talking about our our brother Moses. And I think today's title for the message is Bringing Us Back. And um, I just want to thank Marv, thank the elders, and just thank this church for being a church that allows uh, people like me who don't have any sort of pastoral background, uh, the opportunity to come up and share a little bit about, um, I I guess, just this opportunity to teach and test maybe the spiritual gifts that God has placed on myself. But hopefully this is an opportunity for you to step out and also think, like, what is God putting on your heart? Maybe it's time for you to serve in a specific ministry. Who knows? Um, So... Yeah, just thank Marv um, for this opportunity. It started when I just casually attended a Saturday uh, study the Bible workshop. And we were actually in this passage, and we were just going through uh, exegeting the Bible. And little did I know, Marv's like, you're going to preach that one day. And I looked at him, I was like, excuse me, what? Like... I've never thought that I'd actually be up here in front of a church and just sharing a little bit of uh, what God has put on my heart, but I'm excited for for this opportunity. So let's just go ahead and start. We're going to Exodus 3, verses 1 through 18, and then we'll go go through and take it little by little. So now Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian, and he led his flock to the west side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. He looked, and behold, the bush was burning, yet it was not consumed. And Moses said, I will turn aside to see this great sight, why the bush is not burned. When the Lord saw that he had turned aside to see, God called out to him, Moses, Moses, and he said, Here I am. Then he said, Do not come near. Take your sandals off your feet, for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. And he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. Then the Lord said, I've 
I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt and heard their cry because of their taskmasters. I know their suffering, and I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them out of the land that to a good, bring them out of that land to a good and broad land, a land flowing with milk and honey to the place of the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Amorites and the Perizzites and the Hivites and the Jebusites. And now behold, the cry of the people of Israel has come to me, and I have also seen their oppression, with which the Egyptians oppressed them. Come, I will send you to Pharaoh, that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, Who, I am, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? He said, But I will be with you. And this shall be the sign for you, that I have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. Then Moses said to God, If I come to the people of Israel and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me, and they ask, What is his name? What shall I say to them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, Say this to the people of Israel, I am sent, I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, say this to the people of Israel, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever. And thus I am remembered, I am to be remembered throughout all generations. Go and gather the elders of Israel together and say to them, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, of Isaac, and of Jacob has appeared to me, saying, I have observed you and what has been done to you in Egypt. And I promise that I will bring you up out of the affliction of, the Egypt, of Egypt to the land of the Canaanites, the Hizzites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites, a land flowing with milk and honey. Let's pray. Father God, thank you so much for this chapter um, in your book, Exodus. God, I just pray that uh, you would just speak through me and that um, the word of, of God would just um, flow into our minds and into our hearts um, as we sit here today. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Awesome. So let's go back to chapter, or yep, verses one through four and kind of spend a little bit of time here. So you're probably wondering, how did Moses, a man who grew up in the palace, adopted by Pharaoh's daughter, end up in the wilderness, right? And let's take a step back and go to chapter two. Uh, we see in chapter two, verse 11, says, one day when Moses had grown up, he went to his people and looked on their burdens, and he saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his own people. Now, when I was studying this scripture, I realized, I was like, hold on a second. Moses might be running from something. This is the first situation where we get to see a little bit of Moses' heart. He sees the affliction of his brother. And wants to do something about it. And he does. He looked this way and looked that. 
And seeing no one, he struck down the Egyptian and hid him in the sand. That doesn't show up in any children's story Bible. And so when I read this, I was like, oh my goodness, this, this is important. And so when he went out the next day, behold, the two Hebrews were struggling together. So again, two more of his brothers. He said to them, why do you strike your companion? He answered, who made you a prince and a judge over us? Do you mean to kill me as you killed the Egyptian? So he's like, oh my goodness. They saw what I did. And so Moses was afraid and thought, surely the thing is known. So he took action in an injustice um, situation, right? He's helping his brother out. Let's fast forward here. So he runs to a place called the land of Midian. Now the priest of, this is verse 16, now the priest of Midian had seven daughters and they came to draw water and filled their troughs to water their flocks. The shepherd came and drove them away, but Moses stood up and saved them and watered their flocks. So a second opportunity where the heart of Moses and his passion towards resolving injustice comes out. Again, that doesn't show up in our children's storybook Bibles, does it? And so it's fascinating, right? So he, he ends up marrying one of these daughters and, and has a son, and 40 years goes by before God shows up in Exodus 3. Verse 2, Then the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire within a bush. And Moses looked. He saw that the bush was on fire but was not consumed. This is probably a really familiar route for Moses to take his father-in-law's sheep and so when he sees this magnificent, magnificent sight, verse 3 tells us, this is, this is the, I think what I love about this passage is like this dialogue between God and Moses. He's like, I must go over and look at this remarkable sight. Why isn't the bush burning up? And I think why this sticks out to me is probably, if I were in Moses' situation, I probably would have done the same thing. I'm like, that is... There's flame coming out of that, but nothing is being consumed. I better go check that out. Huh. Right? Who, who would walk by that and just be like, um, I've, I've got better things to do. And so we're probably a lot like Moses, and it's just, it's just funny how he kind of phrased that. And then when the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from the bush, Moses, Moses. I love chapter 4 or sorry, the verse four in, in this chapter. When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look. Today's point is God will do things to get your attention. When you're wandering in the wilderness and it's been 40 years where you may have been pushed away from the passions or the things that really get you fired up, God will do things to get our attention. And luckily he said, here I am, right? So we, we really want to just spend time understanding, well, what is it that kept Moses in the wilderness? I think it's what we find in chapter two, right? I'm scared for my life. They know what I've done and I don't want to die. 
Um, but God had bigger plans for Moses than just watching over sheep. It wasn't even his sheep. It was his father-in-law's sheep, right? And I'm sure many of you can recall a moment where God did something to get your attention. So what is it? Oftentimes, God can use dreams to get our attention, reoccurring dreams. Um, they can, God can use scripture to get our attention. Uh, it may be somebody who is in your life. What are they saying? Think about some of the things that are happening around you because we don't want to miss it, right? Have that Moses moment where he has and where he says, I must go over there to see this remarkable sight. Pay attention to what is going on inside of you because God has gifted us the Holy Spirit. And it may be the Holy Spirit telling you something. So when you go during your quiet time, ask, hey, God, what do you want me to hear? What is it that you want me to hear from you? And there may be something to do after that. Okay, so um, let's keep going. We're wondering why. Why did Moses have this moment? We find in chapter, or verse six, 7, Then the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt and heard their, task, their cries because of their taskmasters. Uh, I know their suffering, and I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians, and then bring them up out of that land to a good and broad land, a land flowing with milk and honey. So God had a purpose bigger than Moses looking after sheep. And that's part of the reason why oftentimes God uses people or things around us to get our attention, okay? So in addition to that, God follows up with, come, verse 10, I will send you to Pharaoh that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? So now that God has gotten our attention, oftentimes we come up with reasons like, well, I don't know if I should do that, or are you really sure it's me? And just like, just like Moses, we may be doing things like that. But when we do that, I think God wants us to know who he is. Because this is how God replies to Moses. Verse 13, then Moses said to God, if I come to the people of Israel and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, what is his name? What shall I say to them? Verse 14, God said to Moses, I am who I am. So when God has called us to an opportunity, he won't just leave us there, but he will remind us of who he is. And so, because names can have a significant meaning, right? Like, the contextual understanding of all this is, in Egypt, there are thousands of gods. 
And so it could be really confusing coming into right, Egypt saying, hey, God has sent me. So the reality of God saying, I am who I am, declares who he is unique to who God is. And so um, just like I mentioned, names can be significant. Um, just ask my wife, Drew. Uh, she's been thinking of names ever since she was a teenager for our kids. Um, she has a list that keeps going and going, but I think um, our list of having kids someday will stop, so we'll probably never <laughs> meet all those lists, names, but she puts a great deal of thought into the, the names of our children, and it's because they remind us of something, right? They can remind us of a person, of a memory, of a moment, and something like that, and so, um, yeah, where we see, looking at my notes here, where we see the importance of God's name is, um, oh, it's not here. Okay. Um, I, I don't have the, the, the paper here today, um, but um, I was going to unpack I am who I am. And really that verb is to be, right? He is self-sufficient. Um, he is the Alpha and Omega, and as we learn more and more about who he is and how God wants us to know who he is, he can meet us in whatever circumstance that we find ourselves in. And so um, it's really important for us to just be reminded of who he is. And you'll even notice here, the God of your fathers has sent me to you, and there's multiple times in this text where the Lord says, I am the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. This is my name forever. This is in verse 15. And thus I am to be remembered throughout all generations. And this is reminding the Israelites of the covenant that God had made with Abraham, that your nation will flourish and be multiplied. And so whatever circumstance you find yourself in. That's why I think like before I, before I got up here, that, that song Waymaker was just such a good song uh, to be incorporated in today's um, worship is how can we remind ourselves of who God is? And oftentimes we have to rely on others. We have to rely on the spirit and we have to rely on maybe a brother or sister in Christ um, who in the circumstance, sometimes it may feel like they're not really in tune with the feelings, but they are really just reminding us, hey, I, I feel what you're feeling, but, but God, but God is still there for us. So um, when we are running or when we are drifting, God will do things to get our attention. God also wants us to know who he is. And then, finally, I think it's important for us to know that God empowers us to walk in obedience. Let's, uh, let's look at what happens here. So uh, most of this really happens in uh, chapter 4. So God really tells Moses, hey, go to the elders, tell them exactly what I've told you, and then... Um, uh, in, in chapter four, Moses answered, but behold, they will not believe me or listen to my voice 
for they will say, the Lord did not appear to you. The Lord said to him, what is that in your hand? He said, a staff. And he said, throw it on the ground. So he threw it on the ground and it became a serpent and Moses ran from it. But the Lord said, put out your hand and catch it by the tail. And so he put out his hand and caught it. And, because, and it became a staff in his hand that they may believe that the Lord, the God of their fathers, here it is again, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has appeared to you. Not only does he give them the staff, but he also gives them the sign of his hand and the cloak, right? So in verse six, put your hand inside your cloak, and he put his hand inside his cloak. And when he took it out, behold, his hand was leprous like snow. Then God said, put your hand back inside your cloak. So he put his hand back inside his cloak. And when he took it out, behold, it was restored. And I think we give Moses a lot of flack here, saying like, why are you down in God? Why are you down in God? But if we put ourselves in Moses' shoes, how often do we do these things too? How often do we say, well, as long as you do this, right? Or what if this happens? And I think in this passage, I really see how God is creating confidence in Moses. And when God empowers you to walk in obedience, he doesn't just leave you, right? He will equip you and he will empower you through signs like these or through people in your life to give you that encouragement to say, hey, you know what? You can do this. And his excuses keep going on, right? He says like, well, uh, this, this, is, this is good. He said, I am not an eloquent speaker, either in the past or since you have spoken to your servant, but I'm slow of speech and of tongue. And I think like God gets smart here in verse 11. Who has made man's mouth? Who makes him mute or deaf or seeing or blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Therefore go, and I will be with your mouth and teach you what you shall speak. But again, we see the humanness fail, right? But he said, oh, my Lord, please send someone else. And aren't we glad we don't have a God who just gives up on us? Because he could have just given up on, on Moses. And God is a, a, is a, is, God is a God of second chances, um, as I was reading through chapter four, again, this aha moment of, hey, it doesn't show up in children's Bible, uh, storybook Bibles. God almost kills Moses. Did y'all know that? Did y'all know that? Let's, let's, let's read it together. So let's fast forward through um, chapter four. And this is verse 21. So the Lord said to Moses, when you go back to Egypt, see that the you do before Pharaoh all that the miracles that you have put in, in your power, but I'll harden his heart so that he will not let your people go. First off, if I was Moses, I'd be like, what are you doing to me, God? Right? You're telling me to go, and then you're making it harder on my life. Uh, but oftentimes, right, that's how it is, because then we can trust God even more. Then you shall say to Pharaoh, thus says the Lord, Israel is my firstborn son, and I say to you, let my son go that he may serve me. If you refuse to let him go, behold, I will kill your firstborn. And then, here it is, at a lodging place on the way, the Lord met with him, him being Moses, and sought to put him to death. 
Isn't that crazy? But Zipporah, his wife, took a flint and cut off her son's foreskin and touched Moses' feet with it and said, surely you are a bridegroom of blood to me. So he let him go. It was then that she said, a bridegroom of blood because of the circumcision. Moses did not follow God's commandment of circumcising his son. And so he had to, I think, get that right in an act of obedience, right? So that he can continue to prepare Moses for something bigger than just leading and shepherding the flock. See, God doesn't need Moses or any of us to accomplish his work, but he chooses to involve us as long as we remain obedient. He will give us what we need. He will grow our confidence in him. This is from Drew, because I was sharing a little bit about my sermon this week. She said, no amount of excuses will thwart God from accomplishing his mission. And aren't we glad that that is the case? Because how often do we get in, mess up, um, maybe like the will of God for our lives? So it is in this interaction where we truly see divine enablement shine through human lacking in Moses. Aren't you glad we serve a patient God who is there to help us increase our confidence in him? How God has shown up in our past gives us greater confidence that he will continue to show up in unimaginable ways. So when we start to drift, when we see that we're not where we need to be, God will do things to get our attention. Not only that, God wants us to know who he is because oftentimes when we kind of move aside, we forget an aspect of who God is. Or in a circumstance, we forget who God is and how he can show up. And then, aren't we glad God does not just let us do it by ourselves. He empowers us to walk in obedience. So you might be wondering, like, what is God trying to do to get my attention? Or what is he trying to teach me about himself? Or is there a, a place in your life where you just need to step out in obedience? So uh, in, in closing, I have an example of my very own moment where God is kind of almost bringing us back into um, his greater purpose for our lives. So um, in 2018, we were deciding whether where we wanted to open up a Chick-fil-A. At the time, I was in a leadership development program with Chick-fil-A, opening up Chick-fil-A's all across the United States, and uh, I happened to be assigned in Plattsburgh, New York. How many of you guys know where Plattsburgh, New York is? Okay, so we have a few folks. I'm, I'm, I'm actually surprised by that. And so it's actually 45 minutes pretty much north, uh, south of the, the Canadian border and about an hour and a half from Montreal. And so I was doing an assignment there and my wife was with me and a, uh, a Chick-fil-A staff member by the name of Cody Fortune flew up to see me. We had actually met whenever I was a summer staffer at Windshape Camps. And um, so he came up to see me and I thought it was just a regular check-in. And after our, during our meeting, 
he asked me this question. He said, have you ever considered opening a Chick-fil-A in Toronto? And to my reply in that moment, I was like, thinking of all the reasons why I wouldn't be qualified, right? Well, first off, I'm not a dual citizen. Second, I've actually never stepped foot in Canada, ever. <laughs> and so I'm like, okay, well, like, why? Um, and then, you know, I was also thinking like, okay, I've never done international business. I'm, I'm a music educator by, by my degree. And so this was just very different from what, I, what I'm used to. And so I was also thinking like, what are my parents gonna think? They're like, hey, I worked so hard for your US citizenship, right? We moved to America, you were born a US citizen. Why are you gonna move to a different country? Uh, so I was probably also like thinking those things. And so without revealing my inner thoughts, I said, no, I've never considered it, um, but I'll take your hint and I'll start looking into it. Shortly after the meeting ended, I ran to Drew and I was like, you won't even believe what Cody just asked me. I, was like, I said, Cody said, have you ever considered opening up a Chick-fil-A in Toronto? And thinking that she would also be like, that's kind of strange. Like, um, you know, like we would have to move to a new country. What's all that about? Uh, she actually, with a smile on her face, she was like, well, I've always wanted to be a dual citizen. <laughs> and even though we had been only married for a short amount of time, I'll, that was one of the things that actually I had not known about her. And so that really got the ball rolling and really figuring out, okay, maybe this is something that God is calling us to. And in our exploring, we realized that the passions that we we're so excited about were met uh, within the city of Toronto. We want to be in a multi-ethnic, multicultural city. We want to be in a city that provided some decent, if not at the time, um, good sports, professional sports teams, right? Um, <laughs> and we got the taste of that, and then, you know, we're struggling now, but um, yeah. And then, and then we were also thinking like, okay, well, in the U.S., this only touches maybe cities in the Midwest, cities on the West Coast. And we didn't wanna to be too far away from our family. Uh, three hour time zone difference, six hour flight, that's just a lot. And our, our family lives in the Southeast. And so we really decided, hey, why not? Why not? And so that was, I think, that moment where God got our attention. Cody was like, hey, uh, I think we have an opportunity for you to be uh, your own business owner, but in a city that you're actually looking for, but you just never knew um, was on the map or even was on the radar. And so throughout that process, I have learned so much about God. And time after time, God has said, hey, this is who I am. This is who I am in this circumstance. Trust me and I will take care of everything. Not only that though, he has empowered me, right? Like I had to figure it out. I can just go up to the border and just say, hey, my name is Wilson. They just gave me a franchise, Chick-fil-A, and I just need to come in, right? <laughs> like this is how crazy it was. We, we got our, all of our attorney documents um, put together. We packed up our car, we packed up a U-Haul, and we just drove to the border. And my attorney was like, hey, just answer the questions that they ask you. Don't give them any more information. And if you get in trouble, just call me. And so that created a lot of doubt for someone who, 
Yeah, for someone who is, is, is very detail-oriented. And so on the way up, I'm actually so glad that I'm so detail-oriented because I call the border and I'm like, hey, we're about to cross, like we need to get our, our documents. And they said, hey, well, um, at this port, we're about four hours behind. At another port, we're probably gonna close about in like three hours. So when are you getting here? And lo and behold, it was this was on a Thursday, July 4th, to, out of all the days to be leaving the country to, 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 find, to, to establish yourself in a different country, we're leaving on uh, you know, US Independence Day. Um, but anyways, um, we, we realized that immigration is only open Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. And our attorney failed to tell us this. And so fortunately we were able to make it across. We had um, uh, a, we had a, a hotel reserved on Buffalo. So we had to go across, get our papers, and then come back across um, so that we can uh, stay the night with, with all of our belongings. But as time and time again, God has shown up in ways that we never imagined. And he has displayed more and more of who he is. And along the way, he has also empowered us um, and to walk in obedience. So uh, just wanted to share that in closing. Uh, I pray that God will do something either today, in this week, or the coming months um, to get your attention about maybe an aspect of something that you haven't surrendered to him. Um, because that gives him the opportunity to show us an aspect of who he is. And then in addition to that, uh, he will empower us to move forward with confidence uh, and in obedience. So let's pray. Father God, thank you so much for this opportunity just to share what's been on our heart our, and, and my mind. God, thank you so much uh, just for Hope Church and just the opportunity to uh, test gifts that you have given us um, so freely. God, we just pray that um, in, in the weeks to come that we, we would have those moments where you get our attention about an aspect that we may have not have fully surrendered in our lives or something that we may have to do differently or reaching out um, we pray that you would tell us and teach us more about who you are. And God, I just pray that you would empower us to walk in obedience uh, by faith. Um, and God, I just pray that um, you would be with us throughout this week. It's in your precious name. We pray, amen. For more resources or information about Hope Church, visit hopetorontonorth.com.